In 2009, the San Francisco Chronicle admitted that they were losing the battle against the internet, and that the only way forward would be massive cuts in staffing. Google and Twitter have replaced it for news, Craigslist for classifieds, and local blogs for local civics and politics. A 144-year-old institution in the land of innovation had found itself out of date and out of touch with the future. Today on Methods of the Madness, we interview the CEO of BayCitizen.org, a Bay Area news organization that's attempting to redefine how the Bay Area gets its news. Stay with us. My name is Lisa Frazier. I'm president and CEO of The Bay Citizen. The Bay Citizen is a new non-profit news organization. It's an independent organization. Uh, and our mission is to foster and uh, foster uh, civic engagement by providing fact-based news, uh, really in the core civic issues. Part one of our interview is about what the internet did to newspapers. I think the the internet has been around now for quite quite some time, even though it's really a short period, and it's impacted a lot of uh, industries, in particular the news industry, and predominantly that's been led by uh, is driven by consumer behaviour. So in reality, what's happened is consumers today uh, um, actually read more news, or listen to more news, or watch more news than uh, they did before, and that is really a um, an outcome of the internet being available, right, because people are reading news during the day, at lunchtime, uh, on smartphones, now on tablet devices such as the iPad. And what that has uh, shifted those, those eyeballs, if you will, to those digital formats for news, which has left people from uh, subscribing to newspapers. And so what's happened in the industry as eyeballs and people have shifted to the digital uh, consumption of news... Uh, the core uh, economic model of a newspaper has uh, been in decline and predominantly because that is the loss of subscription, uh, which is i.e. the circulation of the newspaper in towns across the country. And then on top of that, therefore, the advertising revenues also fall, right? Because if as an advertiser they want to have the most return on their investment for their advertising dollars and those audiences in the paper have shifted. Now, over the last few years, that has led to actually a real shift in, uh, a real decline in journalism jobs. And in fact, uh, according to uh, organisations such as Pew, we're at a point now where um, less than half the states have a newspaper covering Washington, D.C., and therefore covering their representatives. Here in the Bay Area, the work that we did uh, in preparation to starting the Bay Citizen, in, and this is back in 2009, we showed that there had been a 50% reduction in journalist jobs. Um, and what we found is when we looked at the content production of those newspapers in our local area over time, there was a disproportionate amount of reduction in the civic beats. And those civic beats are governance and policy or you know, city hall, education, health, uh, transportation, the environment, justice, social justice, and arts and culture. And so that's what the internet has done. The internet has enabled consumers to, uh, to consume news in different places, and that has put uh, pressure on the previous economic model of a newspaper.
a number of citizens here in the Bay Area, including uh, Warren Hellman, uh, our chairman of the board of the Bay Citizen, also myself and a, and a handful of others, uh, you know, started a conversation about what would this mean in the Bay Area. And originally, uh, this the kind of the catalyst for it was an announcement uh, by the San Francisco Chronicle in 2009 saying they were likely to close. Now, obviously, they didn't do that, but that's the catalyst for the analysis that then took place uh, through 2009 to really understand what had been lost here in the Bay Area, and those are some of the statistics I just referred to. And what happened from there is a real in-depth view, right, of not only the field of journalism here, but what what innovations were happening across the country. And from that, uh, through 2009, we began to put together... um, the blueprint, if you will, for the Bay Citizen. And what we're trying to do on a day-to-day basis here is to continue to be leading edge. And by that I mean staying up uh, with the trends uh, of what's happening in innovation in news, also pushing those frontiers ourselves. Um, And so that we're not only supporting uh, the citizens of the Bay Area by providing them this civic news, but we're also doing innovation in the field of journalism at the same time. And that's what we felt was really important part of the work that we did in 2009 to say not only are there, not only is the, the job losses important because of that important watchdog role that journalists play has, has declined, but also the fact that there is not enough innovation in this field for, you know, for news in a digital era. The watchdog role of the press was indeed a core concept of the founding fathers of this country. Thomas Jefferson once said, If once the people become inattentive to the public affairs, you and I, and Congress and assemblies, judges and governors, shall all become wolves. It seems to be the law of our general nature, in spite of individual exceptions. But to continue shedding light on public affairs, today's news organizations must innovate. I asked Ms. Frazier how they tackle this problem. So we're a small organization, so it's, it's not that we can have a full-on R&D, if you will, like if you're a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> um, but what we have done is, is uh, structured a couple of key relationships to foster the innovation. One is actually uh, an important uh, group, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, which is uh, the Graduate School of Journalism at UC Berkeley. Um, And this was an arrangement and agreement we made early in 2009 because of this innovation. So working with faculty and students to stay abreast of what's what's happening in their fields and what things they're trying to do, but also extending out into the computer science school and the information school. Uh, Because what's happening today is news needs to be more interactive. Right? And there are folks over at UC Berkeley in the, those various faculties who are working on, whether it's graduate student projects or some of the professors, who are actually working on ways to either look at information and data differently and so, and so such that a consumer can actually interact with it. So adding comments or enabling a dialogue on a database or you know, some of the things that they've been doing is uh, investigating the use of lobbyist language in legislation. You know, things like that, which could really help transparency in government. It also helps around the innovation of just what a news experience is. Because today, it has traditionally been, you know, one way. You read a newspaper, you listen to the radio. With the web, you can actually change that. uh, And so that it becomes interactive. And so one of the investments, you know, for what we're doing is actually really around what we call our data library. 
And the data library is really a building around data applications so that a story becomes live uh, to that person. And so there are a couple of examples that, um, you know, I'll point you to and, and, and perhaps your listeners. One is bike accidents, right, safety. We created the bike accident tracker. We just launched it, uh, our, our second version, last week. And it maps out bike accidents as reported in the police department over the last five years, the last five years of available data. And what that tells you is just what are the hazardous roads and safety issues in, you know, for biking in the Bay Area. And so people are emailing us saying, I'm riding my bike differently, in a different way to work. And then other cities are now asking us you know, for the back end so they can replicate this. Um, across, you know, for their cities. And so the way this innovation happens is somewhat testing and trialling different things here. For example, that data library becoming very interactive in the, in the bike accident area. And then, other, and then as it becomes viral in social media and people read about it through either Facebook or Twitter, then others like us are picking that up and will want the support or the ability to do that. Um, another example is really the whooping cough uh, or pertussis epidemic last year. Uh, where um, there was an occurrence of the disease or high occurrences, and yet this was not broadly reported in public media uh, or commercial media, I should say. And then, and then what happened is we put a database together, we meshed together the data from the, um, the occurrence of the disease and the non-immunisation rates of kids in schools. And so parents actually could look up their school to understand what was the non-immunisation rate and therefore exposure to the school for this disease. And you know, what actually the analysis showed us something like almost 8% of children in the kindergarten year of 2009-2010 uh, were non-immunised in Marin County, and yet they had a 10x occurrence of the disease. And this led to conversations at, not only in parents' groups, but it started having conversations in City Hall about, well, what do we do in times of epidemic now, the growing uh, population of non-immunisation children? And so that's the innovation of news in a digital kind of era, which what is what we're doing here. You're listening to KALX, Berkeley 90.7 FM, University and Community Sponsored Radio. This is Method to the Madness, a 30-minute show about the innovative spirit of the Bay Area. And I'm your host, Ali Nazar. We're speaking with the CEO of The Bay Citizen, a local nonprofit news organization launched in 2009 as a response to the decimation of the newsrooms of the Bay. I asked Ms. Frazier how The Bay Citizen has used technology to gain competitive advantage and innovate. We have a, another relationship with a, a sister nonprofit news organization of ours um, called The Texas Tribune, and The Texas Tribune uh, covers uh, politics for the state of Texas. And in our analysis through 2009, what we found is they were really the only other non-profit news organisation who was um, fostering uh, innovation in technology. And so we've merged our tech teams together. And as part of the innovation, what we're, um, we announced in March, we've created a, an open source or we're creating an open source technology platform for content management uh, of a newsroom um, and then integrating into that all the various business elements so what this means is, while we started with open source technology uh, to create what is our functioning newsroom, we didn't want to re- you know, recreate the wheel here. So we've worked with the, our friends in Texas, we've created this common platform, that common flat platform is now being open source, we've had over 300 inquiries about people wanting to come onto the platform, the first few folks will come on in at the end of summer, and what this 
really means is a real step change in the ability for organisations like us in, in cities and towns across the country. So the people that come to see me or talk to me, the two people in Raleigh, North Carolina, the person up in the middle of Massachusetts, technology is often a barrier. And so this, uh, our, our ability to open source this platform with the support of the Knight Foundation is enabling these organisations to be able to serve their communities by providing this non-profit, independent, fact-based news. And so in some cases, these organisations will be for-profit because it will be truly open source technology. And that's exciting, right? There are now 50 or so non-profit news organisations across the country. And is that a relatively recent trend? Yes, yeah, so I would have said, you know, five years ago, there'd be lucky to be a handful. Um, there were some core, you know, folks like the Centre for Public Integrity has been around for 20 years. Uh, one of the earliest versions of the Bay Citizen is actually the Voice of San Diego, down in San Diego, and they're probably in their fifth or sixth year uh, of operation. Perhaps just as important as the innovation on the technical side of the news organization, the industry now needs innovation on the economic side as well. The Bay Citizen is run as a nonprofit organization, and I asked Ms. Frazier about their model. So we are, um, you're right, it's absolutely the hardest challenge of sustaining original journalism uh, in, this, in this, you know, this time where we are today is, um, is the economic model. And interestingly uh, and importantly, it's not unique to us. Right, meaning not unique to the Bay Area. It's not only um, across the country that this is a problem, but it's actually now, you know, it's also a concern globally. And in fact, we've had uh, over 30 different countries uh, visit us, uh, organizations, whether they be from the journal side or the business executive side on media, coming to understand about this model. And so what we are is really we're trying to forge forward on a, on a, number, of thi- a number of models, taking elements and ingredients of uh, traditional public broadcasting as well as traditional commercial media. Uh, And so what it is, it's around major donors and foundations. So so the support we're getting from uh, individuals here in the Bay Area is our our seed funding, if you will. We don't have an endowment. We have a seed fund to get to sustainability by 2014. It's about the foundation support for the key projects that are going to enable journalism, original, quality, original content journalism to go forward, like the Knight Foundation. It's around corporate underwriting, so we haven't done much of this to date, but enabling corporate uh, corporations that are here locally, be part of the base citizen, be enabling this civic dialogue to uh, underwrite, if you will, uh, our efforts here. Um, then it's around membership, right? This is the individual contributors, which I just mentioned. You know, a membership is defined as you know someone who becomes makes a donation at, at the membership level, which is typically around fifty dollars a year uh, to support our our organisation. And we're thrilled that you know we've actually had quite quite the momentum around individuals supporting us from the community. And then the last part is around content royalties. And so the New York Times pays us for the content to be. Uh, which is more the traditional uh, content licensing uh, part of the revenue model um, to pays us to produce uh, the Bay Area section. And so the reality is we have to address a number of potential revenue streams. We need all of those, right, to get to sustainability in 2014. Right now we're far more dependent on the individual giving um, because it takes time to grow a business, as you understand. And so for us... Uh, growing our organization is really about the community and membership support and the corporate underwriting support. And as that grows, right, we become very less dependent on uh, major donors 
and therefore uh, the organisation is able to sustain itself, meaning it, it, it brings in and earns its money through those the, the membership and corporate underwriting contributions uh, to sustain its expense level. You're listening to KALX Berkeley 90.7 FM. This is Method to the Madness, a 30-minute show about the innovative spirit of the Bay Area. I'm your host, Ali Nazar, and we're speaking with Lisa Frazier, CEO of The Bay Citizen. There is this kind of idea of, of the filter, of who's, who's the one who I trust to tell me the news. Does anybody can put anything out there. Um, do you think that there is, is somewhat of a, a land grab happening or some kind of race to determine who's going to be the, the new trusted voices and this kind of new millennium of information being everywhere? Or do you think there's room in the landscape of, like you said, people consume news constantly these days. Is there room for everybody to get involved? Um, it's probably in between. I don't know that there's room for everybody to get involved. Um, I think that, I don't think I would agree that there's a land grab. I actually think that we have what one would call um, potentially a media literacy challenge. Um, just like we have a civic literacy challenge with uh, folks, you know, civics being not as predominant in, in school um, uh, curriculum these days. Media literacy is becoming uh, more and more of a topic of discussion. And the reason being is because it is very difficult to disaggregate, you know, what was original reporting versus what is an opinion on opinion on opinion. And, uh, you know, in fact, Pew... Uh, research did a study that said uh, that 80% of blogs start with a piece of original content, news coming out of a professional newsroom. So when you think of that shrinking newsroom, right, that, that, that kind of that initial source of content, which is where all the bloggers are feeding off originally, not all, but some, that, or a large proportion of them, um, that kind of, kind of shows you it's very, very difficult and can have a feel of like a land grab. Um, but in reality, what we also have is, in combination of that, is the impact of Facebook and Twitter, and in particular Twitter, where you know news is now disseminated right through those through those um, channels, and yet it's not necessarily the in-depth read, right? It's the the, the snippets. And so there is this whole fragmentation of the 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 um, the reading behaviour. And so what happens is when people really want to know something, they're going to dig down, I believe, back into brands that they know. I mean, there's a reason people go to the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or, you know, if it's CNN, whatever their preference is, right? They're very well-established news brands. And here, and that's what we're trying to generate here for local in the Bay Area. We don't do international news. We don't do national news. We only do local news. And that, that even though there's a plethora of channels and there is a, a fragmentation of the consumer and we're, sometimes, we're predominantly competing with people to spend time on civic news versus going on Facebook or TMZ or whatever their <laughs> favourite thing is. And that's what, that's what I think will always... You know, truly come out right because when you, we see, you know, when there are big issues, whether it's pension reform, whether it's the elections, you know, the mayor's election coming up, people actually want the deep, the depth, 
And that's why the, I believe that organisations like the Bay Citizen in cities across the country can be successful if they're producing that quality of depth and the original fact-based reporting. And it was the disappearance of the capabilities of the Bay Area newsrooms to do original fact-based reporting across a wide variety of civic beats that spawned the Bay Citizen. And it came from the mind of Warren Hellman, who is the chairman and co-founder of San Francisco-based Hellman and Friedman, a private equity investment firm that he founded in 1984. Uh, The firm has raised over $5 billion in capital and invested in over 45 companies. Um, Hellman has deep ties to Wall Street. He's a director of the NASDAQ. Uh, He worked for Lehman Brothers. Um, He also graduated from Cal. Uh, He went to the Harvard Business School. He's on the advisory board of the Haas Business School. Uh, a real power broker who also may be better known to Calix listeners as the funder of Harley Strictly Bluegrass in San Francisco, the festival that turned 10 last year. Uh, he invests hundreds of thousands of dollars of his own money to run that festival every year as a gift to the city of San Francisco and the world. And now Mr. Hellman is trying to give a different gift to the city of San Francisco and the Bay Area in general, a gift of news. And I asked Ms. Frazier, the CEO of Bay Citizen, what the other news organizations, specifically the Chronicle, thinks about their endeavor. Um, I haven't spoken to them, so it's pretty hard for me to really answer that. I mean, some people have commented that you know the competition has been good because the quality of reporting is has been has raised, and if that's the case, then I think that's great, right? Because I mean, that's the reality of what we want. We want quality news, right, for the local area. And if that's the impact the Bay Citizens had on our uh, competitors, then I applaud that. I think that's great. And, and, and competition is very healthy, right? I mean, I think that's an important part of who we are uh, in any industry and that what inspires us to do more and, and keep on going and, and essentially try to do the best that we can. And so um, I'm not sure what their, their reaction would be to your question, but you know, that's what the tidbits that I've heard. What about, do you think youth have an advantage as a nonprofit in the kind of new world of, of journalism? I think we have an advantage because we don't have any legacy, right? I think that uh, whether we're nonprofit or for-profit, I mean, someone, some could argue that the news organizations today are truly nonprofit, even though they're for-profit entities, because that's the reality of the economics. But I think our biggest advantage is that we started from scratch in January 2010, uh, we don't have legacies of you know having to print a paper. We don't have those costs. We don't have to do truck rolls, you know, all those sorts of things. And to us, being able to start with a clean piece of paper, right, is truly uh, is truly an advantage. Um, and and I think the other benefit that you know we've had is that we're not trying to create a product that people don't understand, right? People have asked us to do this. People have thanked us for doing, for providing this new source, and and that is also an advantage, right? So people have missed something, they're thrilled that the Bay Citizen is here and doing it in the in the ways that we are, and, uh, and and encouraging us to continue. And so that's to me the two the two biggest advantages of what we're doing here at the Bay Citizen. You're listening to KALX Berkeley, 90.7 FM. This is Method to the Madness, a 30-minute show about the innovative spirit of the Bay Area. And we're speaking with CEO Lisa Frazier of BayCitizen.org. The Bay Citizen is a nonprofit news organization founded in 2009, started in 2010. 
that is covering the Bay Area news scene in a new and innovative way. What we're trying to do here is be very mission-driven. I mean, this is about the civic news, the fabric of the community. Um, it's how we make decisions, whether it's about health issues to who gets voted into City Hall to various propositions. And what we're trying to do is become, in a world where there is a plethora of information available on the web, that it's becoming more and more difficult for consumers to really understand what's an opinion piece versus what is a fact-based reported piece. And what we're trying to create here is that the base citizen is a trusted brand uh, and a name for individuals in the Bay Area about that civic news, right? And so that's what this is about. It's, it's very mission-driven. We can't fill the void, right, that has been lost because of the newspaper economic model. And, and we're not trying to do that, and which is why collaboration is an important element of the base citizens model, because there, are, there is great work happening in various uh, parts of the Bay Area. And so we have, as, to your point, we have 27 different content partners um, who are working with us, who provide us content, will publish as part of the base citizen, they're part of our partner program. And what happens is that they're doing, you know, what some people really call very local or hyper-local news. And so in Berkeley, you know, Berkeley side is one of those institutions who's one of our uh, partners. And what we're doing is enabling a, a discussion and a dialogue or at least awareness of issues in the various pockets across the Bay Area. Because um, the newsrooms themselves, you know, I was just reading last night, the San Jose Mercury News and the San Francisco Chronicle in 2000 were over a 1,000 people, just the newsrooms themselves. They're now together less than 300. And so, you know, a non-profit news organisation like the Bay Citizen with 32 people, 20 of those, you know, in the editorial function is not going to replace that. But in the world today, because of, you know, the folks, there are people doing various pieces in their neighbourhoods that we can come together and collaborate, which is why the relationship, you know, with what the students are doing, um, at UC Berkeley, you know, in their various, um, you know, Mission Local and things like those, uh, those news sites, to, you know, KGO Radio, uh, to what we do, which we print new, in the New York Times every uh, Friday and Sunday, the Bay Area section, which is what we own and produce, that there is a way, right, to work together to enable that civic news, and that's what we're doing. We will only be uh, successful if we do that, if, if our news is available to the community, right? Because what we're about is not so much as building an institution, but it's about serving the community. And if we serve the community, for our definition, that means providing news and fact-based analysis on issues that are important to the community. If we do that well, that community will sustain us by becoming members of the base citizen uh, by making a donation. And similar to what people do, whether they're a member of an arts institution or a member of public broadcasting, that's, that's what we're trying to do. So we're really in serving the community is what the base citizen is about. And of course, serving the public good has always been one of the core tenets of a free and open press that does fact-based reporting. And we've had one in this country since its inception. I asked Ms. Fraser what she thought about journalism and what it would look like 10 years from now. It could be very different. Um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people have been saying, uh, you know, up, up in the last few years, right, that newspapers will be gone in 10 years. Some people have said 20 years. And I don't have that crystal ball, but uh, I really am questioning 
the uh, longevity of newspapers, especially with the fast adoption um, and the depth of adoption of the iPad um, and tablet devices. I mean, even though that tablet market has not shaken out yet, right, there's still a lot, as you know, like kind of people rolling out various devices at different pricing levels and people are try- trialling different things. But the people, like, uh, the people that are, you know, studying the usage of these devices show that, you know, people have read a newspaper the night before, right, or have already read it in the morning before it's been delivered on their doorstep. And so it, it's, it's just a very interesting, you know, kind of accelerator, I think, of probably of the decline for demand in newspapers. Um, and then what's going to play in is how consumers pay for that, right? Because, I mean, obviously there's a, you know, there is now um, paywalls, um, there's metered pay at the New York Times, there, um, there, are, there are some city newspapers and, you know, have, got, have put paywalls up, um, um, and, you know, one of our reporters reported that the Chronicles are going to do that and the Chronicles rolled out their iPad app uh, just this week, I think, or last week. And so there's going to be just a shift in, in behaviour again, right? There was, like, your first question was about, well, what is the impact of the internet? And now I think it's going to be what is the impact of devices, right? Especially as, you know, children today are, are operating you know, iPhones and iPads, you know, with a flick of fingers at three three years of age. So what do you, in 10 years, I mean, why would they ever pick up a newspaper? And if that's truly the case, that in 10 years, nobody will ever pick up a newspaper, it's really important for us as a society to see projects like the Bay Citizen succeed so that we can have an open and transparent government. I'd like to thank CEO Lisa Frazier of the Bay Citizen for talking to us today on Method to the Madness. You can learn more about The Bay Citizen by going to baycitizen.org. We'll link to it from our site at methodtothemadness.org. You can go there also to contact us and see older show archives. Hi, Molly Nazar. Thanks for listening.